Please open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 7 for our scripture reading this morning. So we are continuing the sermon series, Prepare Him Room today, and we'll continue to throughout the month of December. We will be reading Isaiah chapter 7, verse 10 through 17. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God, let it be deep as Sheol, or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men, that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago at our church's harvest dinner, we had a pie auction. And you all made bids on whatever pie it was that you wanted to eat. And I'm sure that you all enjoyed the pies that you were able to buy. I know that I certainly did. Uh, I enjoyed the uh, chocolate peanut butter pie, which I won, and it was very delicious. And I'm happy to say that we raised almost $900 through this pie auction uh, for, uh, it was very good. So uh, grateful for you, for your generosity. We raised the funding in order to get our team, to, our missions team to Haiti in March of 2020. The team of eight that is going with us to Haiti uh, needs to purchase some things before we get there. And so one of the things that all of us will need to purchase is, in fact, a passport. Now, why does everyone need a passport, you say? Well, let's imagine for a moment, hypothetically speaking, that while the team from Hope is in Haiti, your pastor decides to go on a crime spree. You never know, it it could happen. Uh, But when the police take me to the police station for questioning, they ask me, what is your name? And I look the policeman right in the eye, and I tell him, My name is Travis Armstrong. (laughs) Now, I'm not a very good liar, okay? So uh, I'm sure the policeman would be suspicious as he looked at me when I said that. And so he might say to me, prove to me that you are Travis Armstrong. Show me your passport. Unfortunately for me, my passport would not prove that I am Travis Armstrong. My passport photo would prove that I am indeed Glenn Peterson. In Isaiah chapter 7, uh, God is speaking through his prophet Isaiah to King Ahaz. King Ahaz is the king of Judah, which is the southern kingdom in Israel. And Ahaz at this moment is in a crisis. He is scared to death. God wants to prove that to Ahaz that he can be encouraged. Ahaz is so afraid But God encourages Ahaz to ask God for a sign. God wants to prove to Ahaz that he can truly help him in this season of crisis. 
God wants to prove that he is good, that he loves Ahaz, and that he can save Ahaz in his crisis. Well, God is not visible. God does not have a passport photo. And so how does God prove to us that he is who he says he is? God proves who he is by what he does. Some of you in this Christmas season are going through a crisis yourself. You need to be reminded of who God is. You need fresh proof of God's love and of God's power. I hope this story from Isaiah 7 today proves to you once again who God is. We see who God is by what he does in Isaiah chapter 7. The first thing we see in Isaiah 7 is that God is always sovereign over all nations and people. God is always the king. He is always on the throne. We see the crisis that King Ahaz was going through in verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 7. If you brought your Bible, and I hope you did, please listen as I read from Isaiah 7 and verse 2. When the house of David was told Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. We see in this verse that two nations had formed an alliance. Syria and Ephraim had come together. The reason that these two countries had formed this alliance was because they were afraid of the rising superpower in the region, the nation of Assyria. And so the nations of Syria and Ephraim came together, and they tried to put pressure on King Ahaz to join them. They said to King Ahaz, look, if we have three countries together fighting against the Assyrians, there's no way the Assyrians will be able to defeat us. And in order to encourage Ahaz to join the alliance, they told him, if you don't join us, We two countries will come and attack you, and we will replace you from your kingship, and we will put another king in charge who will join together with us. And so the fight that is taking place between Ephraim and Syria and their fight against Judah begins in verse 1 of chapter 7. And how does King Ahaz feel when he hears that Ephraim Ephraim and Syria have come to attack him? Verse 2 says that Ahaz and the people of Judah started shaking like a leaf. They were terrified of the battle that they were about to face. So what is God's response to the terror that Ahaz feels? God is not afraid. God is not scared in the slightest. He is still on the throne of the universe. And so God says to Ahaz in verse 7, It shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass. God said to Ahaz, These two countries will not defeat you. It's not happening. I won't allow it. I promise. I am in control. Now, sometimes when we hear great promises, we say to ourselves, Promises, promises. I'll believe it when I see it. God knows then that we want some kind of proof that he can do what he says. And so God says to Ahaz in verse 11, 
Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol and high as heaven. God is ready to move heaven and earth in order to show Ahaz how much he loves him and how powerful he is. He's ready to move heaven and earth to show Ahaz that he will keep his promise to him. And if you are wondering if God really has that kind of power to protect you, to provide for you, look at what God says about his power over all of the nations in verse 18. There God says that in that day the Lord will whistle for the fly that is at the end of the streams of Egypt and for the bee that is in the land of Assyria. Now Egypt and Assyria were two of the greatest nations on earth. They were two of the greatest superpowers in the days of King Ahaz. But what does God compare Assyria and Egypt to? What does he compare these superpowers to? I brought a picture this morning to show you what God compares them to. He compares them to a bee and a fly. They are what? They are insects. That's how great these supposed superpowers are in comparison with the mighty God. And so God is saying that in comparison to him, these superpowers are insects. They are nothing, and they are under God's complete control. God whistles for them, and Assyria and Egypt go in the direction that God tells them to go. And if Egypt and Assyria are just a fly and a bee, what must that mean about Syria and Ephraim? They are less than insects. They are less than nothing. These countries that are threatening Ahaz are nothing compared to God. God is in control. Ahaz has no reason to be afraid. Some of you here today are afraid. Some of you are in a crisis like King Ahaz. I don't know what the outcome of your crisis will be, but I do know this. God is still sovereign. God is still on the throne. Your crisis did not catch God by surprise, and your enemy is not greater than God. So what should you do in your crisis? God told Ahaz to ask him for a sign of his love and of his power. I would encourage you to do the same thing. Now, I'm not saying that you should demand from God a specific sign, but I think that God does like it when we ask him to show us how much he cares for us, to show us how much he loves us. I believe that God would love to give you then such a sign. That sign will be an encouragement to you while you go through the crisis that you are enduring. God does love you. God is on the throne. Ask him for a sign. And I believe that God will show you proof that you can trust in him while you endure the days of your crisis. 
Second thing we see in Isaiah chapter 7 about God is that God will always bless those who trust in him. He always will. There is one thing that God wants from his children more than anything else. Trust. God wanted Ahaz to trust his promise in verse 7 regarding the threat of Syria and Ephraim. God says there, it shall not stand and it shall not come to pass. And so God puts Ahaz to the test. Yes, God did invite Ahaz to test him. But the truth is, really, Ahaz was being tested by God. God was asking Ahaz, do you really trust my promise to keep you safe? Do you trust me? Sadly, we will see today that the answer is no. Now, at first, Ahaz looks really good. When God invites Ahaz to ask him for a sign, Ahaz replies in verse 12, I will not ask, and I will not put God to the test. That sounds really spiritual, doesn't it? What a great godly man King Ahaz is. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, you can see what perhaps what verse was in Ahaz's mind at the time. Let's read together from Deuteronomy 6 and verse 16. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa. Well, if this is the verse that King Ahaz is thinking about at the time, the truth is then that Ahaz is taking this verse out of its context. When the Israelites were at Massa, when they were in the wilderness, they rebelled against God and they doubted him. Clearly, we should never demand proof from God that comes out of our own rebellion and doubt. But a testing of God that comes out of faith in his love and his goodness and his power, a testing that dares to trust in God and in God alone, that's a kind of testing that God invites us to do. God loves to prove himself to his children who have faith in him. And God does prove himself to us over and over again. A teenage girl was suffering from anorexia and bulimia, and she was undergoing treatment at a hospital. On a particularly difficult day, she was told to drink a glass of milk, but she just couldn't bring herself to do it. And so her doctor was called in, and he sat down next to her, and he said, you are a Christian, correct? And when she answered yes, he said, do you remember the, the man that Jesus healed near the pool of Siloam? Jesus took some mud, and he put it on the man's eyes to bring about his healing. But it wasn't really the mud that healed him. What was it that healed the man? The girl thought about it for a while, and then she answered, his faith. And then the doctor said, good, now drink your mud. <laughs> he was telling her drinking the milk would not cure this girl. Trusting her doctor and his treatment plan for her, just like the blind man trusted in Jesus, was cured himself. 
God is looking for us always to trust him. God always blesses those who trust in him. Unfortunately, Ahaz did not trust God. Do you know the real reason why Ahaz did not ask God for a sign? Because Ahaz's mind was already made up as to who he would trust. He trusted in an alliance with Assyria more than he trusted in God. He saw Ephraim and Syria making an alliance, and he said to himself, hey, two can play at that game. If you guys are going to come together in an alliance against me, I'm going to make an alliance with the superpower of our day. I will put my trust in Assyria. That will keep me safe. But God wanted Ahaz to trust in him and him alone for Judah's safety. By trusting in Assyria, God was saying to Ahaz that Assyria had now become Ahaz's God. Look at the pronouns that are used before the word God in verse 11 and verse 13 of chapter 7. In verse 11, Isaiah says to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord, your God. Your God. God was Ahaz's God. God had made promises to Israel and to Ahaz's ancestor, King David. Ahaz knew all of this. He knew that God was good. He knew that God had made promises to Israel and to David's descendants. The Lord was his God. But when Ahaz refuses to trust in God, when he puts his faith In Assyria, instead, in verse 12, notice what happens to the pronoun in Isaiah's words in verse 13. Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? My God. The Lord is now only Isaiah's God, not Ahaz's God. Ahaz believed that Assyria cared more for him and his nation than the Lord God cared for him and his nation. So Ahaz made a really stupid decision. From the world's perspective, making an alliance with Assyria, the superpower of the day, that seemed really, really smart. It seemed like Ahaz was very wise. But is it ever a good idea to trust in your worst enemy. Is that ever smart? No. And so what Ahaz rejected as foolish, complete reliance on God and his care and his presence, turns out to be ultimate wisdom. While Ahaz's wisdom, that Assyria could be trusted to look out for Judah and its interests, turns out to be complete nonsense. And God would judge Ahaz for his foolish decision and for his lack of faith. Look at verse 17 in terms of the outcome for Ahaz. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. 
What was coming then for Judah? What was coming was the awful thunder of the war chariots of the Assyrians. Here is the lesson for us. Whatever you trust in place of God will one day turn and eat you up. Our idols will always destroy us. Now, at this point, some of you are asking yourself, isn't this Christmas? Where's Jesus in this story? Well, Jesus is here. Jesus is found in verse 14. We read in that verse, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And in the Gospel of Matthew, we shall see that this verse is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Let's read out loud together from Matthew chapter 1 and verses 21 through 23. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God would indeed be with his people who had faith in him. He would give proof that he was still with his people, that he was still for his people. He would give proof by sending his own son, Jesus, the perfectly faithful and righteous one who would die on the cross for our sins. All the promises of God would come to ultimate fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Jesus then is a sign to us that God is still with us and God is still for us. But in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, if you look at that verse again, you notice who is Isaiah talking to? He's talking to the king, talking to King Ahaz. And he says there that the Lord himself will give you a sign, King Ahaz. So my question is, how would the birth of Jesus, 700 years after the death of King Ahaz, how would that birth be a sign to King Ahaz? My answer is, it wouldn't be a sign to King Ahaz. Ahaz would be long dead by the time that Jesus arrived. And so there must then be a a second child, a second Emmanuel, an Emmanuel, a child who was born in Ahaz's day, who would be a sign to Ahaz as Isaiah prophesied. He would be a sign not only to Ahaz, but also to all of the people of Israel who had faith in God at that time. And so we read in verses 15 and 16 of chapter 7, about how when the second Emmanuel child would still be quite young before he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. Both Syria and Ephraim would be destroyed by the time this little child is is very, very young. They would cease to exist as nations by the time this second Emmanuel would not have gotten very old. 
And who is this second Emmanuel who would bring about the, the first fulfillment of the sign? In Isaiah chapter 8, if you turn there, we read about how the prophet Isaiah was engaged to a prophetess. Because she was a, a righteous woman, she would have been a virgin at the time before marriage. But after they married, Isaiah and his wife had a son. And they gave their son a name in Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 3 that I am quite sure will be one of the most popular baby names in Maine in 2020. They gave to their son the name Mahar Shalal Hashbaz. Name has a ring to it, doesn't it? All right. And in Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 4, we read about this child. Before the boy knows how to cry, my father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Assyria. And so this Mahar Shalal Hashbaz, this son of Isaiah and his wife, appears to be the Emmanuel sign that God was giving to King Ahaz and to the people of Judah. Before, indeed, before this boy was two years old, Syria fell to the Assyrians, and then Samaria fell just shortly after to the Assyrians as well. Now, was God then still with those in Judah who had faith in God? Was he still their God? Was he still protecting them? Was he still taking care of them? Yes, God did all of those things for those with faith. God protected his people. God blessed those who trusted in him. God came close to his people in this time of crisis. But in Ahaz's case, God came very close to Ahaz to curse him for his lack of faith. Because Ahaz failed the test of faith, because he put more faith in Assyria than he did in God, God used Assyria eventually to enter into Judah and almost completely destroy the nation. Church, there are moments in our lives when God comes very, very close to us. And we perceive those moments in our lives as a crisis for us. We're scared. We're afraid. And God gets close. And what is God looking for from us in those seasons? You know what he's looking for? Trust. Faith. Do we believe that God is who he says he is? That's what God wants to see from us when he gets close to us. Do we trust him? Do we have faith in him? And when he gets close to us, God can either bless us or he can curse us. God's desire is to bless us. He desires to help us. But if you want to be blessed... You must trust God. So church, please trust God at all times. Trust that he is Emmanuel. Trust that he is God with us. The final thing that we see from Isaiah chapter 7 is that God always saves those who trust in him. King Ahaz was worried that he and his kingdom would not be saved in this moment of crisis. 
But God had promised Ahaz that both Syria and Ephraim would not be able to defeat Judah. And so through Isaiah, God had told Ahaz what he needed to do at the end of Isaiah 7 and verse 9. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. What did God want from Ahaz? Trust. Faith. He wanted Ahaz to believe that God and God alone would save Judah not some other nation that he made an alliance with. But if Ahaz put his faith in a different God, if he put his faith in the nation of Assyria, Judah would eventually be destroyed. This morning, I want to let you know that what God was looking for from King Ahaz, he is also looking for from you. He is looking for trust. He is looking for faith. And what will God do for those with faith in him? He will save them. That's who God is. He always saves those who trust in him. This is true not only for our time here on earth, but this is also true for us when we stand before God on Judgment Day. What is it that saves us before God? Faith alone. Let's read out loud from Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. What is it that saves? Faith. It's faith that saves. If you have faith that Christ died on the cross for your sins, you will be saved from the judgment of God. And if you have faith in Christ, you will be also saved throughout all of the crises during your life here on earth. Many years ago, in fact, too many years ago, I went on a retreat with my high school youth group. And we teenagers were asked by our leaders, what do you think would strengthen your faith in God? Many of the teens replied that if if God would just do a, a miracle for them, then they would really believe in God if God would do a miracle for them. Now, I understand this way of thinking. A miracle would be a, a powerful proof that God is good and that God truly loves me. But here is what over 40 years of following Jesus has taught me. Jesus has given me all the proof that I need that he loves me. Isn't the cross a sign enough for me that God loves me? Isn't that proof enough? Doesn't the cross prove that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us? God who gets down into the suffering that we endure and endures it himself. When I have trusted Jesus, he has saved me from my crises and my trials and my dangers. And so when I come up against another crisis, what do I need to do? I just need to trust Jesus again. 
He has proven his goodness and his power and his love to me over and over and over again. So I don't need a miracle. I just need to trust God. And if I trust God, I will be saved. Church, make room in your life for Jesus this Christmas. If you are in a crisis of some kind right now, pray to Jesus as your Emmanuel. Tell him about everything that is making you anxious today. But don't just talk to Jesus about your anxieties. Talk to Jesus about your faith. Tell Jesus that you believe that he is Emmanuel. Tell him that you have seen proof of his love and his care for you. Tell him that you believe that Jesus is God with us. Let's pray together. God, how good you are to us. In our times of crisis, in our times of doubt, you want to show us a sign, a sign of your goodness, a sign of your love. And so I pray for those who are, are going through a crisis today. Remind them that you are God with us. Remind them of Jesus, who came for us in the time of darkness and who saved us. Save your people. May they trust in you. In your great name we pray. Amen.